A guy that was given so much by God, Samson was called by God. He was set apart by God. He got a supernatural power by God to fulfill the mission of God. And yet we see that he, he makes poor decision after poor decision after poor decision after poor decision after poor decision, doesn't he? It just keeps on going. When you look at his life, you see a man who has so much God-given potential, so much potential for kingdom movement, so much potential for making a difference for the kingdom of God, but he squanders it. It's a waste. In fact, if you look at his life, I would say his life up to this point is a waste. It is a life that is driven by selfish ambition. It's all about me. The Bible says over and over that Samson did what was right in his own eyes. And so as he goes through life, it's all about Samson. And then last Sunday morning, we saw that most folks do not ruin their lives all at once. They mess them up. How? Somebody listen. Praise God. I like that. They ruin their lives one step at a time. Not all at once. Most people, they ruin their life one single step at a time. And when we pick up in Samson 16, we're going to be in verse 23 and following, we find that Samson is in prison. His eyes have been gouged out. It's a grim picture of this strong man. He is in shackles and he is grinding Picture manual labor doing the work of an animal. Maybe he's pushing this wheel with all of his might and he's pushing it round and round and round. And the people, the Philistines, they're looking at him and they're laughing and they're making fun of him and they're taunting him. And we find Samson at an incredibly low place. And his condition is... It makes us ask the question, what do you do when you realize that you've blown it? What do you do when you look at your life and you realize that you have really messed up? When you look at your life and you realize that so many years have been wasted, so much potential has been thrown away, so many gifts have been unused. And you see that you're embarrassed by your actions. You've hurt people that you love. You didn't do what God created you to do. And so you have regrets. Anybody here have regrets in life? We all do, don't we? We have regret. We have painful regrets. Wishing that we could go and have a do-over. Wish that we could make a different decision. Wishing that we could do something differently. And if we're honest about it, most of the time we take failure very personal. Because we go through life and we measure ourselves based upon how we stack up. How, do I, how did I do? How do I do at my job? How do I do as a spouse? How do I do as a father? Did we win? Can we conquer? And when we fail, we take it so personally because we feel like we can never recover. And some of us in here tonight, we're living in bondage to past failures. When I think about my ministry, been here over 13 years now, so I have 
been blessed to preach many, many sermons, and I'm, I'm praying that there's been a handful of good ones throughout the years, but do you know what, do you know what I recall? When I think back to my messages, there are two that stick out. And they stick out just word for word. One of them I've shared with you, it's when I got the word invalid and invalid mixed up. <clears throat> that was embarrassing. But I want to share another one with you, one that I have never shared before. I've, I've spoken to the family, Daniel and Jamie, if he's in here, and I think this will be okay. I can remember it just like it was yesterday. You know where I'm going. <laughs> remember it like it was yesterday. Little Hunter had passed away. Hunter was a, a young boy and uh, got sick, and he passed away, and it was a very, very sad time. And so we had the service here at the church. And I had one responsibility during that service, and my responsibility was to come to the front, say a prayer, and read the obituary and sit down. That's all I had to do. I mean, he set it up pretty easy for me. And so I'm reading through it, getting ready, and I come to the front, and I start reading the obituary. And I do not know for the life of me what came over my spirit. Because I should have just stuck to the script. I don't know if I was trying to make the situation light. I don't know if I was trying to make a joke and be funny. But I remember it, I mean, this was a long time ago, and I remember it just like it just happened. I was reading through the obituary, and I came to a point, Daniel, you remember, and it said that Hunter was an avid Dallas Cowboys fan. Good enough, right? So I read that, and I said, and Hunter was an avid Dallas Cowboys fan, and then I looked up. I should not have looked up. <clears throat> I looked up, and for some God only knows why reason. I said, and Hunter was an avid Dallas Cowboys fan, and we all know that's a dying breed. <clears throat> have, you, have you ever said something, and the moment you say it, you realize what you said, and it, you didn't mean it like that, and it came out in such a way that it's like your heart, you just want to die? I mean, honestly, you want to die in the moment. It is such a serious moment. I mean, it is just a, a time and there's weeping and I make the biggest fool of myself and I say something so stupid. And so I knew what I had said and so I go as fast as I can through the rest of that obituary. I pray and it's one of those like Jesus wept prayers because I want to get out of the front. And so I pray and I go back, scurry to my seat, and I sit down, and Brittany was sitting there, and I looked over, and I said, did you hear what I said? And this is what she did. <laughs> Didn't say another word about it. I mean, it was just, I remember it, it was so awful. And for the next six months, your loving pastor would always find a way to add in, well, that's a dying breed, isn't it, Case? <laughs> Every time I started to get over it, he would bring that up. And so, I mean, I can, I can remember it. I had preached hundreds, if not thousands, of sermons since then, and I can't remember five of them, but I can go back to that day, and I can remember word for word what I said. Because failure sticks with you. When you mess up, 
when you do something wrong, when you look in life and you have regrets, it sticks with you. Generally speaking, a man's greatest fear is failure and his greatest pain is regret. We don't want to fail. We want to measure up. And if we're not careful, we live in regret and we say, I wish I could have, I should have. Why didn't I? And all of us, we go through times of regret. Maybe it's a man who has to look in the face of his wife and he has to explain why he wasn't faithful. And he has so much regret. Maybe it's a guy who looks at the career that he started in and he hates going to work. He hates his job. He goes every day and he has these regrets for the career he started, but now he's making too much money to quit. And so there are regrets. Maybe it's the one who looks at their marriage and they know their marriage is just falling apart. It's just a sham of a marriage, but they just keep on going and there's, there's so much regret that nobody puts in the effort to fix it. Or maybe it's an outward failure. It's a sin that you struggle with and you struggle with. And like we said this morning, you go to God and you say, Lord, would you please forgive me? I am so sorry. And before Thursday comes, you've already done the same sin again. I'm talking about regrets. Regrets that we all experience in life. Samson teaches us that we must we must understand how to cope with failure. He teaches us that just because you have failed at something does not mean that you are a failure. Did you hear that? Just because you have failed at something does not mean that you are a failure. A failure is an event. It is never a person. You're not a failure. Your life is not a failure. Samson is a man who failed over and over and over and over again. And you look at his life and you ask the question, could God use a man like that? Could God even love a man like that? And I want to show you this evening that God can still accomplish his will through one who has lived a life of failure. Just because you're down, it does not mean that you are out. If you failed at something, you're not a failure, and you're much more. God says you are more than a failure in your life. So let's look, Judges 16, verse 23. And I want you to notice that low points come to all of us. It says, now the Lord lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And so the Philistines come together and they begin to worship their God. Now their God, Dagon, he is a, he is a, y'all awake now, aren't you? You like that? He is a fish man. He has a, picture this, he has a fish body with a human head. That's the God they worship. He is the God of the harvest. He is the God of grain, and he's got a fish body and a human head. Imagine that's the God that you serve. That's the God that you worship. And so they come together, and they begin to worship this God. They say, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And, and they're at this place, picture of Colosseum. Archaeologists have dug and they have found some of these Philistine Colosseums. 
their synagogues, and they are a long open room and then some wooden columns with a a roof, a second level. Now we know in our context here, there are over 3,000 people on the upper deck. And so they come together and they are coming to humiliate Samson. They are praising their fish god because they have finally trapped Samson. And it goes on in verse 24. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands. The ravager of the country who has killed many of us. And so they start thinking back to who Samson is. Remember when Samson got the foxes? He got the foxes, he tied them together, he lit their tail on fire, and they went all through the Philistines' country. And they brought so much destruction. And so they're praising God. This is the man that we've got. They're praising their God. Excuse me. And they talk about the the way he has killed so many. Remember when he picked up the jawbone and he just began to kill the Philistines? And so they begin to to praise this, this fish man God. And they say, thank you for giving us Samson. Verse 25. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. And so they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them, and they made him stand between the pillars. Samson is a man throughout this stage of his life. He has gotten everything that he wanted. When he wanted a woman, he got that woman. When he wanted to get the honey out of the carcass, he got the honey out of the carcass. Samson has been a life of doing exactly what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, but now we find Samson, and he is at the lowest point that we can imagine. Understand in life, low times come to each of us. I know we come to church, and we put on our smile, and we pretend like everybody's always happy, and everything's always going good, praise the Lord, but there are times that things are tough. You know, when you read the Psalms, you find the Psalms of lament. The Psalms of lament say, man, things are tough right now. Things are difficult in my life. There's an honesty with that. Things are not going well for me right now. And I think in some ways in the church, we need to be more honest and say there are times that we're on top of the world. There are times that everything is just going our way and we are just doing so well. But there are also times that life is tough. And there are times that even following the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and doing everything that we're called to do, and yet life can still be tough. Look at the disciples. Their life was tough. Look at Paul. His life was tough. Following the Lord is not a prosperity gospel. It is a life that is difficult, but it is worth it because we know who Jesus is. And so we see that Samson is at a low point in his life. Now I want you to see this. There are two responses to failure. The natural response is remorse. Everybody is remorseful. It does not matter if you're saved or if you're lost. When you have failure in your life, the natural response is remorse. Remorse says, I feel bad about what I've done. I should not have done that. That was a mistake. I wish I could do that over. Now, remorse can go one of two ways. It can go inward. I am such a terrible person. I am an idiot. 
I'm the worst person who has ever lived. I have no future. I hate my life. I hate what I've done. You ever said those things to yourself? You did something wrong. You had a failure, and then you begin to take the remorse, and you internalize the remorse, and you just begin to beat up on yourself. And it may be that there's a failure that you've had in your life, and you to this day are still beating up on yourself because of it. It's still remorse. Or the second is outward remorse. Well, if he would not, if he would not have done this, then I would not have done that, right? It's their fault. It's not my fault. Samson could say it is the fault of Delilah. It's not my fault. And so one of two ways, we go through these cycles of remorse. But I want to tell you, as children of God, we don't need remorse. What we need is repentance. There is a difference between remorse and repentance. Repentance says, I own it. It's my fault. I blew it. I did not do what God entrusted me to do, and so now I'm turning from that which I did wrong, and I'm turning to that which is right. I am repenting. I'm turning away from the bad, and I'm turning to the good. Remorse focuses on the bad, and repentance focuses on the good. It focuses on turning away from that which is low to that which is high. Repent, re means to turn. Pent, think of penthouse. It means to the highest. So you go from the lowest and you turn around and you go to the highest. And if you don't repent, then you live your life in a season of remorse and you never move on from it. And if you live your life in a season of remorse satan will bring that up to you over and over and over and over and you will live a life of defeat you see it's not that i feel bad it is that i am completely turning to god to let him redeem this situation there are things that you cannot undo in life but you can repent there are things that you wish you could do over and it hurts you to think about, you can't change them, but you can repent. And so I'm just picturing Samson, and he begins to think, I was not created to be the entertainment of the enemy. I was created to honor God. I was created to deliver my people from the Philistine bondage. I'm not going to let what I did stop me from doing what God wants me to do. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning toward God. You cannot let the past be your change for the future. Just because you're down, you are not out. Let me, let me take just a segue for just a second, and we'll hurry on, I promise. When you preach, but Charles, you can back this up. I think you will. When you preach, we preach against sin, Preach against sin every week. That, that, that's what's in the Bible. We preach the Bible. We're faithful to the Bible. But I, I just had it come to my attention just recently, more than, more than at, at previous times. People don't always like that. They don't enjoy that. And so I, I want you to know something. When, when we preach, we're preaching for the present and the future. Let me give you an example. If I get up and I begin to preach about divorce, I'm not preaching about divorce to just begin to, to make everyone who's been divorced just feel low. That's not the point. 
preaching against divorce for those who were in a marriage and they begin to consider divorce, trying to save those in the present and the future. If I preach against unfaithfulness in a marriage, it's not about those who have been unfaithful in a marriage so that I can just kick them and remind them of, of past sin and past regret. That, that's not the point. That's not what I would ever try to do, and I know Brother Charles would never try to do that. It's preaching for those who might begin to flirt with someone in the office and to say, wait a minute, that is going to destroy your life. Don't go down that path. It brings destruction. See, it's not preaching so that we can just kick on people and keep them down all the time. That's not the story of the gospel. It's so that those who are about to make a poor decision can be told, wait a minute, step back. This is not worth it. And I just think we need to make that clear sometimes. We, we love, we preach out of love because we, we love people. We want to see good decisions made. It's never to, to just kick people and bring them down. All right, back to verse 25. So they called Samson out of the prison. He entertained them, and they made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars on which the house rests so that I may lean against them. Remember, he's blind. He has to be led to these pillars. Now the house was full of men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. And so picture, they're leaning over from the top level and they're watching Samson. They're probably hollering. They're making fun of Samson. We finally got you. We caught you. What are you going to do now? Can you see me, Samson? They're making fun of him. And here he is, and he's got his hands on these pillars. And the last thing I want you to see is there is a turning point. Verse 27. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. I love it. He says, Lord, please strengthen me just once. In other words, I've blown it a thousand times. I've messed up. I don't need a thousand do-overs. I don't need a thousand retries. God, all I need is one more chance. God, all I need is one more moment of strength. One time, God, one time, just find mercy enough to give me strength one more time. And I believe that Samson is broken. I believe his life is no longer just about him, but it's also it's about God. God is taking the scene in his life. Now, you look at, let's be real for a minute, his prayer is still egotistical. There are still four or five personal pronouns. He's talking about me. And, and he's talking about, let me avenge what? My eyes. So I'm not telling you that he's a, he's a perfect man now, okay? Don't misread what I'm saying. I'm not saying that all of a sudden Samson is a saint. But I'm saying for the first time, Samson is willing to sacrifice himself for the mission of God. God's mission on his life was to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And for the first time, we see that Samson is going to be selfless and he's wanting to take part in that. And so, in a sense, he says, I'm not the main character of my story. God, you are the main character. God, would you give me strength just one more time? 
He's at this low point, this point of public humiliation. And he says, God, if you'll give me the strength, I will use the rest of my life to leverage what you have given me for your glory and for your goodness. And I want you to realize that God can accomplish his purpose even through a failure. Look at verse 29. And Samson, he grabbed the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death, listen, the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. He pushed the pillars with all of his might. Everything came crumbling down. And the Bible says he destroyed more of the enemies when he died than in all the years that he lived. You say, could God use me? Could God use me? You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You realize the power of God that lives inside of you? The same power that, that, that brought Jesus out of the grave is the spirit that lives inside of us. And it's like, could, could God ever use me? I was, a, I was a liar, and I lied, and I lied, and I lied. And I was an addict, and I had to have the next drug. And I was locked into my addiction, and I had this problem, and I had this problem. Could God use me? Yes. God can use you. God wants to use you. Uh, Think of how much better God looks when everybody sees the God that took you out of that darkness and placed you into the light. Think about how God is glorified through that testimony. God is not finished with you, regardless of your past. So I want you to think as we close up, what are the, the pillars that you need to push down? Maybe you look at your life and there's an issue of, of pride, maybe materialism, maybe greed. I, I don't know what it is. I know what mine are. What are yours? I, I shared a story this morning, but it, it really struck with me. This, this week we had a guy and he came up to the church and he washed dishes for us. He's a homeless, homeless man, and after he was done, I, I paid him $25, and I said, hey, do you need a ride? And he said, uh, yeah, could you take me to Super One? And so I said, sure, let's go, and he got in the car, and we're driving, and so I said, tell me about your life. Where have you been? What are, what are, you, what are you up to? And he said, well, I just got out of prison recently, and I said, okay, so, well, what were you in for? And he said, well, I, I have got a drug habit. I said, okay, you, you had a drug habit or you have a drug habit? And th- this man was just totally honest. And he said, I, I have a habit. I said, well, well, what does that look like for you? I gave you $25. What are you going to do? He said, well, if I'm honest, I, I've got to get my drugs. My drug of choice is heroin. And I've got to get my drugs. And, and I use twice a day, every day. He said, every day I need $30 to live on. And that's enough to get my, my drugs and then maybe get a little bit to eat. And so I asked him, I said, so if you don't have enough money to eat, what do you do? He said, well, I would just get my drugs. He said, I'm, I'm 59 years old. And so I go into preacher mode. You know what I'm saying? 
I say, Dave, man, your life, your life is meant for so much more than this. Dave, you're living from one day to the next, to the next, from one high, one hit, to the next, to the next, to the next. Dave, you've got to know that your life is, is meant for more than this. This is, this is a waste of your life. God's got a plan for your life. And he shakes his head, and he says, I, I've tried to quit. I've tried to quit, but I always come back to it. And so he says, I have resigned myself to the fact that this is my life until I die. Going from one day to the next, getting my drugs for today, and then getting my drugs for tomorrow. And I tried talking to him, but it was, he didn't take it much. He got out at Super 1 and began to walk down the road, doing what he does every other day. Samson has taken his, Satan has taken his potential and killed it. And he wants to do the same with your life and with my life. And you say, well, I don't have a drug problem. It doesn't have to be drugs. If he can get you chasing the next ladder at your job, trying to get the next promotion, that'll do the same thing to your life. You'll live for one promotion to the next promotion to the next promotion, and your life won't count for anything. It, it could be anything from one addiction to one sin to one piece of success. And if Satan can get you chasing it from one day to the next to the next to the next and being selfish and being to the point that it's all about you, then your life will never count for God. And so I want you to think about it. What do I need to push down in my life? What do I need to get rid of in my life? Let me ask you to bow your head and, and close your eyes. You see, Samson gave his life one time. All of his story, he gave his life one time. But listen, real men, they give their lives daily. Samson gave his life one time, but real men and women, they give their life to God daily. Saying, Lord, it's not about me. Lord, it's not about my story. It's not about just what I want to do. But God, this is, this is about you. So I want you to look at your life, and I want you to ask, Lord, what are, you, what are you looking to change in my life? Lord, how am I wasting my life? Lord, how am I squandering my life? Lord, how do I have so much potential, but I just keep, I just keep wasting it? And then does it turn to remorse, or does it turn to repentance? I'm not trying to make you feel bad about it. I'm trying to make you turn from it. Turn from it and live a life that honors God. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing just a, a couple of songs. And if you need to pray, you need to come to an altar. This is a great time for that. If you need to pray with someone, it's a great time for that. If the Lord's working on your heart, if he's showing you something,